So first of all, the symbolism of the cremation ground. Now, leaving aside symbolism for the moment, this is something rather sublime, leaving aside symbolism for the moment, the associations, at least, of the cremation ground are fairly obvious. The most obvious association of the cremation ground, the idea that springs most readily to your mind when the cremation ground is mentioned, is the idea, is the association of death. When you think of the cremation ground, you think of death. When you see the cremation ground, you think of death. When you actually visit, as I've done on a number of occasions, a cremation ground, when you look around you, you can't help thinking of all the people who've died and who have been cremated there. If it's an old cremation ground, cremated there in the course of hundreds and hundreds of years. And if you're very quiet there, and especially if you are on your own, and if you can feel this sort of vibration, this quiver in the air that I mentioned earlier, you can, as it were, almost feel the presence of those numberless dead people, as it were, pressing all around. There's something there, something left, some trace in the atmosphere, in the psychic atmosphere, as it were. One feels as it were the hosts of the dead thronging round, even pressing round. And in such a place, on such an occasion, one cannot help reflecting in a rather sober and serious way that everyone will die one day, including oneself. One can't help recollecting, one can't help realizing that one day one's own physical body will be carried on the shoulders of the six or eight strong men to the cremation ground and burns there and that one will have to leave behind possessions, relations, friends and so on forever. One will recollect that little by little the physical body will be consumed, will disintegrate, will sink into ashes. Now, reflections of this sort, reflections proper to the cremation ground, were rather systematically cultivated in early Buddhism for obvious reasons. The disciple, the serious disciple, was advised actually to go to the cremation ground, preferably <coughs> at night and on his own. And he was advised when he went there, just to look, to look at the remains 
of the people who had been cremated look at the remains of the dead bodies. And it would seem that in the Buddha's day, cremation was not all that widespread. Very often, it seems, people's bodies were carried to the cremation ground, or rather, in this case, to the charnel ground, and not even burned, but just left there to rot, to decompose, or to become a prey to wild beasts. So the visitor, the disciple, the neophyte visiting the cremation ground would see, lying all around him, not just the remains of cremated bodies, but bodies in various stages of decomposition. And he was asked not to shrink, not to shudder, not to turn away, but just look. Just look at them, even to study them. And apply the lesson to himself, tell himself that his own body was equally liable to decay. And eventually, as this sort of practice became more and more systematized, the teachers, the meditation teachers, started distinguishing ten stages in the decomp decomposition of a corpse, or ten kinds of corpse in various stages of decomposition. And the disciple was asked to reflect on, to look at and reflect on each in turn. And at each stage, after looking at each kind of corpse, he had to tell himself, convince himself, that one day his body too would pass through that very process. And this particular practice was known as the meditation on the ten stages of impurity of a corpse. And the word for impurity in Pali and Sanskrit is asubha or ashubha which also means loathsome, disgusting and unbeautiful. And the practice of this corpse meditation in these ten ways led, it was said, to detachment, especially detachment from the body and provided an antidote for craving. 